please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 5. It's on page 1,377 if you're going to use the Bibles in front of you or under you. Um, The text we're reading is called the Beatitudes, which is a a very famous um, teaching from Scripture. Um, it's, It's the introduction to the greatest sermon ever told. It's the introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which was his magnum opus. Um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is the thing that the whole world looks at, even the secular world looks at and says, wow, nobody ever said anything like this before. And what we're reading today is um, the, very, the introduction of that. Um, chapter 5, Matthew 5, the first 11 verses. Listen to God's word. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. So I've probably said this hundreds of times, uh, but it bears repeating that one of the most important things that we do when we read Scripture is that we read it in context. We have to know what's going on before and after before we can understand what's actually happening in the thing that we're reading. Now, in many ways, you can read the Beatitudes and they stand up by themselves. Like, without context, the Beatitudes are still quite wonderful and beautiful and everything else. But context helps even with the Beatitudes. So do you know what Jesus was doing? Do you know what Jesus was up to before he sat down in an exhausted heap on that mountain and began to teach his disciples? Well, here's what was going on. In Matthew chapter 3, which is what we looked at here two weeks ago, Um, Jesus was baptized. And then in Matthew chapter 4, the main pericope, the main story in that chapter, is that Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days. So that's the context of the Beatitudes. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and then he was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. So think about those those two things with me for a second. It seems to me that 
being baptized and being tempted are two of the most human things in the whole universe. They are two of the most human things in the whole universe. So hopefully you picked up on this this morning with Eileen's baptism. But why, why did we baptize Eileen? Why do we baptize little ones? Why do we take precious, little, beautiful, innocent, wonderful children and, and, and say these special words of God's grace at the beginning of her life before she's even done anything severely wrong? Why? Because she's human. Because she's human. And that's a beautiful and that's a precious thing, but also one thing we know is that human beings need to have words of grace spoken over them. Not like want, need, need. We need to have words of grace spoken over us. Human beings need sacramental reminders that tell them the truest thing about themselves. We don't, it's not a want, it's a need. Human beings need an identity of love to live into. They need an identity of love to connect with. Why? Just because we're human. We require those things. It's an incredibly human thing to be baptized. And then secondly, this temptation. What does it mean to be tempted like Jesus was? What does it mean to be wandering in the wilderness like Jesus was? It means that you're human. It means that you're coming to terms with your own weaknesses, that you're coming to terms with your own limitations, that you're coming to terms with your own margins. So Jesus is very human in Matthew chapter 3. And then he is very human again in Matthew chapter 4. He is with us. And he's one of us, and he's among us. He, he knows what it's like to be a human being in Matthew chapters 3 and 4. And then how does that shape what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 5? He gives the most human-centric sermon ever given. It is completely human-centered. There's a commentator by the name of Scott Bullard who makes this connection so well. I actually preached on this text a few years ago and I mentioned this article then too. But um, Scott Bullard says that after Jesus was baptized and after Jesus returned from the wilderness, he emerged from those things having learned a thing or two about what it means to be human. He emerged from those things having learned a thing or two about what it means to be human. Pause there for a second. I love that note. I love that sentiment because I feel like we so often forget that Jesus is a human being. Like as much as we are, as much as Eileen is, he's a human being. I think we tend to think about um, Jesus just being God but in like a really good human costume, like a really good Halloween costume. But he's not. There's no costume. He is entirely human. He is just as human as you and I are human. And so, when Jesus goes under the waters of baptism, he does so as a human. And when he goes head to head with the devil in the wilderness, he does so as a human. And when he emerges from the wilderness, he emerges from the wilderness as a human. And so, Scott Bullard says, when Jesus exhausted sits down at the beginning of Matthew uh, chapter 5 and he starts preaching. He's preaching as a human. 
about what it means to be human. So, what's the point of the Sermon on the Mount? What's the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount? What do you think it's for? Is it about how to become godly? Maybe you could say it like that. I personally think it would be way better to say that the Sermon on the Mount is about becoming human. It's about becoming more fully human. It's about becoming the kinds of human beings that we were made to be. This is a sermon in praise of humanity. Did you know, I think this is so fascinating, did you know that the early church mothers and fathers, they had this language where they would talk about Jesus being the only human being who was ever actually fully human being? Like, one of the biggest differences between us and Jesus is that he was really a human being, where we were just not quite there. Theologically, that doesn't hold up in my mind, but I think that's a really fascinating perspective. However, in the Reformation, which is our theological background, in the Reformation, scholars like Martin Luther and John Calvin and eventually John Wesley said that ever since humanity fell into sin, the vocation of humanity, the purpose of humanity, has been to become fully human again. Those are John Calvin's words. The vocation of humanity is to become fully human again. That's the goal. Not to become less human than we were, but to become more human today than we were human yesterday, and even more human tomorrow than we are today. Uh, and in, in, the, in the church, many different branches of the church, they have this idea of sainthood um, in, in these different Christian traditions down through the, the centuries. And what, what sainthood has always been meant to be wasn't this thing where, well, there are these people who were really good. They transcended humanity. They become saint, became something other than humans. No, no, no. That's never what sainthood was meant to be. Sainthood was meant for those who embraced their humanity who, who, and, and the vocation of their humanity and lived into the potential of their humanity. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon in praise of humanity. I don't know about you, I find that just incredibly refreshing. And I find that to be incredibly hopeful, incredibly hope-filled. And I think that that perspective reinforces this idea which I find to be one of the most important things we can remind ourselves. That we are not, first and foremost, broken, perverted, evil creatures. We're not. We are not, first and foremost, Broken, perverted, eager, uh, and evil creatures, first and foremost, we are the intentional creation of our loving God. And we, are, we, we have sprouted from the mind of God and we are made in the image of God and we are engineered to be and to create and to do glorious things, first and foremost. That's what we are. Jesus doesn't want us to be less human. He wants us to be more human.
Mind blown, for me at least. So how do we do that? How do we become more human? What does that even look like? Well, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. You want to know what it's like to be even more human than you are today? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus wants us to become more human, not less. So if we're going to become more human, and if we're going to understand what it means to live into the Beatitudes, then we have to talk at least a little bit about that word blessed. What does it mean to be hashtag blessed? That's such a good question. And when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Here's what I have today. What is a blessing? What does it mean to be blessed? Uh, um, what do I need? What do I want? What is good for me? What will unlock humanity for me? Here's a little exercise. Um, picture in your mind a person who is very blessed. Don't be too pious about it, okay? What does he look like? What does she look like? If someone had blessings, what do they have? Um, I'm sure we're all picturing something a little bit different. I would guess that those of us on the older side of things are picturing something very different than those of us on the younger side of things. But I'm, I would guess that one, some of the major themes uh, is that a lot of us picture people who are blessed, we imagine people who have resources. Um, maybe lots and lots of resources, or maybe just enough resources. What else do we picture for someone who's blessed? Uh, maybe we picture a person who's safe, somebody who feels secure, either physically or emotionally or spiritually. Maybe we're talking about ease of life. Maybe we're talking about somebody who lives in a, in a safe neighborhood. Maybe we're talking about someone who has kids that go to safe schools. Uh, maybe we're talking about a blessed person, somebody who just doesn't have any anxiety. Maybe we're talking about somebody who's healthy, somebody who gets out of bed like that in the morning, somebody who goes out and does things with their bodies and doesn't even think about it. Maybe we're talking about people who look 10 years younger than they really are. I don't know. What does it mean to be hashtag blessed? Is that it? Are those the blessings? Now, many of us in this room have a handful of those things. Some of us have a lot of them. But many of us have a handful of those things, whether it be the resources or the health or whatever. And so we might call ourselves blessed because we are grateful that we have those things. Should we not be grateful that we have those things? Right? It's hard to say no. It's good to be grateful, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> but does anybody else find it somewhat alarming and somewhat unnerving that when Jesus starts to talk, to talk about blessings, 
for fully realized human beings, he's going in almost the opposite direction that we tend to go. Does anybody else find that extremely alarming? I find it extremely alarming. (laughs) He's going the other way. He's going the opposite direction, and it frustrates me. Blessed are those who mourn. Are you crazy? (laughs) I want to say, are you crazy? What on earth is Jesus talking about? I think one of the things that we can learn from the Beatitudes is that at, at the bare minimum, we can learn that our desires are at least somewhat askew. You know what I mean? Like the things that we want, the things that we're aiming for, the things that we're really after in life are at least off the bullseye to a few degrees. So that when we receive some of these fringe blessings, like, like the wealth or the health or the looking young kind of thing, when we, when we receive kind of those, those fringe blessings, we take them and we think that we've hit the bullseye. We think that that's just the thing. And we think that those things are going to unlock the gates to make us fully human beings, to make us realize our potential as humans. But they won't. And we know that. We know that. We don't stop desiring those things, but we know that they won't fix us. Those are just fringe blessings. Those are fringe benefits. So Jesus has just spent 40 days in Matthew 4. He spent 40 days going head-to-head with the devil. And if you recall the story of Jesus going head-to-head with the devil, what does the devil do? He tempts Jesus. And what does he tempt him with? Fringe blessings. Oh, that crafty devil. So it's not, I mean, no, Jesus, it's not exactly the bullseye, but it's so oh, Jesus, it's just a few degrees off. I'll take you up here, Jesus. I'll make all of this stuff yours. Here, turn that rock into bread, yada, yada, yada. Oh, it's so close, Jesus. It's not the bullseye, but it's at least on the target. And when it's all over, and Jesus said no to all of the fringe benefits, the fringe blessings, he is exhausted. And he sits down on the side of a mountain and he says, Friends, I have learned a little something about what it means to be a human being. I've learned a little something about what it means for us to be here. I've learned a little something about what it means to become fully human, to become fully realized. I have realized it is a blessing to be poor in spirit. It is a blessing believe it or not, to mourn. It is a blessing to be meek. It is a blessing to be merciful. And so for Jesus, being fully human isn't about satisfying all of these and and meeting all of these different needs. It's not about being so well-resourced that you can just have the things that you want to have and they're all at your disposal. All of these things that you and I fantasize about. For Jesus, it's not that. It's not about being powerful enough to win every fight. It's not about doing whatever is best for you and putting your own interests ahead of the interests of your neighbors. It's not that. That's not what it means to be fully human. 
So what might it look like for us to live into our humanity and to live into the blessedness of this week? Spoiler alert. In case you haven't figured this out in the 16 years that I've been here, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying like you to figure this out. I don't have the 10 easy steps to blah, blah, blah. I don't. But I have a couple of things that we can take with us this week, okay? Frederick Dale Bruner, who's somebody I mention all the time because he's the best, he talks about about how the Beatitudes, um, some of them are emptying Beatitudes and some of them are filling Beatitudes. In fact, you can kind of draw a line down the first four and the second four. And the first four Beatitudes are emptying Beatitudes. And the second four Beatitudes are filling Beatitudes. So the emptying Beatitudes are about relinquishing something. They're about surrendering something. They're about losing something. And then the second four Beatitudes are about filling and about engaging and about having and about possessing. And Bruner says it's almost like the first four Beatitudes are an exhale. (sighs) And the second four Beatitudes are like an inhale. You lose and then you gain. And then you lose, and then you gain. And Bruner says, Bruner wonders if Jesus is trying to communicate to us something about the Christian life. It's as if Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, in your life, sometimes I will empty you. Jesus says, I will empty you. I will. And it will be a blessing for you. And you'll hate me for it, and I will empty you. And I will not apologize. Sometimes I will empty you. Things will be taken away from you. Things will not be given to you that you desire. And sometimes I will fill you. I will fill you. Sometimes your life will be an exhale. Sometimes your life will be an an inhale. Emptied and filled. Emptied and filled. Emptied and filled. Could it be Alger Park Church? that that is the nature of blessing? Emptied and filled. Emptied and filled. Emptied and filled. And when I say that out loud, you know what I think? Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. And isn't that what we're all about? Bruner says it's like spiritual aerobics. Emptied and filled, emptied and filled, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Could it be that gaining and losing and gaining and losing might be the nature of blessing? Could it be that that activity of gaining and losing and gaining and losing is itself the blessing, that it forms us into the kind of people who grow as human beings to be more human tomorrow than we are today? Could it be that life is not all about the peaks but it's also just as much about the valleys. Could it be that our longings are just as important as our possessings? And that the things we possess would never mean what they mean to us unless we also longed for us, longed for them. And if those peaks would never mean as much as they would if we weren't also in the valley. 
What is a blessing? I don't know. (laughs) What does it mean to be human? I'm trying to figure it out too. I do think it's about growth. I think it's about seasons. I think it's about breathing. I think it's about death and resurrection. I think it's about learning to lose and learning to gain. I think it's about priorities. And I think it's about surrender. So this week, we have an opportunity to breathe. We have an opportunity to remember what a blessing is and what it is not. And we have an opportunity tomorrow to be even more human than we are today. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your word and for what it gives us. Uh, We're thankful that what we have with you is a journey, not just a destination. Thankful that you um, take heavenly ideas and you put them in earthly words and try to communicate them to us. We thank you that you are the God of baptism. You meet us exactly where we are. And you love us before we can deserve your love. We thank you that you are the God of Eucharist. Where undeservingly we sit at your table and we take your very um, bread and your very cup, your very flesh and your very blood into ourselves. We thank you for this true food and this true drink. We thank you for becoming human yourself and for making us even more human. Bless us, God, as we breathe. Bless us as we take one more step. Bless us tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen.